Welcome to Zichur Dov Simani Member by Avram Goldar, and today we're Zechus Yuma Dov Ches. The first parak, Shiva's Yamim. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the Gemara brings a three-way machlokas to nine regarding Hazah for the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur and for the Kohen who will burn the Paraduma. According to Rabbi Meir, they would both be sprinkled upon all seven days of their separation. Rabbi Yossi says it would only be sprinkled upon the third and seventh days. And Rabbi Chanina, Skandak Ohanim, says, Kona Sorvis, a para mazinglav kol shiva. The Kohen who is bringing the para would be sprinkled upon during all seven days, but the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur would be sprinkled upon only on the third and seventh days. Now, after rejecting the first two interpretations of the Machokas, the Gemara concludes that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi both hold Tevila Bizmana Mitzvah, immersion at its appointed time as a mitzvah, meaning it must be done immediately upon the conclusion of one's Tuma period. Now, Rabbi Meir holds Makshinin Hazala Tevila, that we compare Hazah to Tevila, and that Hazah also must be done at its appointed time. Rashi explains that since one must have Hazah done on the third and seventh days, the Kongadal needs to be sprinkled upon all seven days due to the possibility that each day is either the third or seventh day. Rabbi doesn't make the Hekish to compare it to Hazah to Tefillah, and he holds that the first sprinkling cannot be done earlier than the third day, and there must be four days between the two Hazahs. Rabbi Hanina Skanakohanim also doesn't make the comparison and holds that sprinkling the Kohen who is to burn the Paraduma all seven days is a mile ba'ama, merely a stringency. Point number two is taught in the Bryce that there is no difference between the Kohen who burns the Paraduma and the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, except Shezeh Prishasul Kedusha Ve'echov HaKohanim Nogimbo, that regarding the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur, his sequester is for Kedusha, and his fellow Kohanim may touch him. Rashi explains that as the Kohen Gadol prepares to enter the Machina we need to prevent him from being haughty or frivolous, being put in solitude will make him reflect on his mission. However, there's no reason to forbid visitors from touching him. The Brisa continues, Whereas regarding the Kohan who will burn the Paraduma, his sequester is for purification, and his fellow Kohanim cannot touch him. Rashi explains that the purpose of a sequester was to be more stringent in his purity as a counterbalance to the leniency of contaminating and immersing him on the day of the burning to repudiate the opinion of the Tzedukim. And point number three, it was taught in the Brisa that Rabbi Yudas says that the Lishkas Barhedron was originally called the Lishkas Balavate, the Chamber of Balavate, meaning aristocrats, because the Kohanim Gadolim of that era were honorable men. Later, they became wicked as they paid the king for their position instead of obtaining it on their merits, and they died every year. As a result, the chamber was remodeled every 12 months for its new resident, and it was similar to the low-level appointees of the king called Parhedron, who were replaced every 12 months. Therefore, they called it Lishkut Sparhedron. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara brings a three-way Malchokas to nine regarding Hazah for the Kohen Gala before Yom Kippur and for the Kohen who burned the Paraduma. According to Rabbi Meir, they would both be sprinkled upon all seven days of their separation. Rabbi Yossi says they would only be sprinkled upon the third and seventh days. And Rechanina Skanakohanim says, Kohen Hasorif has a par of Koshiva. The Kohen who was burning the par would be sprinkled upon during all seven days, but the Kohen Gala before Yom Kippur would be sprinkled upon only on the third and seventh days. Now, after rejecting the first two interpretations of their Melchokas, the Gemara concludes that Rebbe Mer and Rabbi Yossi both hold Tevila Bezmana Mitzvah. Immersion at its appointed time is a mitzvah, meaning it must be done immediately upon the conclusion of one's Tumah period. Rebbe Mer holds Makshinin Hazal Tevila, that we compare Hazal to Tevila, and that Hazal also must be done at its appointed time. Rashi explains that since one must have Hazal done on the third and seventh days, the Kongado needs to be sprinkled upon all seven days due to the possibility that each day is either the third or seventh day. 
Rabbi Yossi doesn't make the Hekush to compare Hazot to Tefillah, and he holds that the first sprinkling cannot be done earlier than the third day, and there must be four days between the two sprinklings. Rabbi Chenina Skanakohanim also doesn't make the comparison and holds that sprinkling the cone who's to burn the Paraduma all seven days is Ma'al Ba'ama, merely astringency. Point number two, Aslan Abrae said there's no difference between the cone who burns the Paraduma and the Kongado on Yom Kippur, except Shazep Pishasola Kedusha, the Echabakonim Nogim Bo, that regarding the Kongado before Yom Kippur, his sequester is for Kedusha, and his fellow Kohanim may touch him. Rashi explains that as the Kongado prepares to enter the Machinishchina, we need to prevent him from being haughty or frivolous. Being put in solitude will make him reflect on his mission. However, there's no reason to forbid visitors from touching him. The Bryson continues, Vizep Pishasola Tahara, the in Echabakonim Nogim Bo. Whereas regarding the Kongado who will burn the Parduma, his sequester is for purification. And his fellow Khan cannot touch him. Rashi explains that the purpose of his sequester was to be more stringent in his purity as a counterbalance to the kula of contaminating him and immersing him on the day of the burning to repudiate the opinion of the Sadukim. And point number three was taught in the Bryce that the Rebuda says that the Lishkus Barhedrim was originally called the Lishkus Balavate, the chamber of Balavate, meaning aristocrats, because the Gohan Godoim of that era were honorable men. Later they became wicked as they paid the king for their position instead of attaining it on their merits, and they died every year. As a result, the chamber was remodeled every 12 months for its new resident, and it was similar to the low-level appointees of the king called Parhedron, who were replaced every 12 months. Therefore, they called it the Lishkas, Parhedron. All right, so now we go to our simon, and our standard simon for Davches is Chala. Chala. So here goes. The baker commissioned to bake Chalas for Kohanim when they were sequestered. Watch them walk from their daily hazah into their chambers, one for Tahara, where no one could touch him, and the other for Kedusha, which was in the middle of renovations, again. Once again, it's slow motion. The baker commissioned to bake chalos. Chalos, that must be more duff. Ches. The baker commissioned to bake chalos for Kohanim when they were sequestered. Watch them walk from their daily hazah into their chambers, which reminds us that Gmore brings a three-way malchokas to regarding hazah for the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur, and for the Kohen will burn the paraduma. According to Rabbi Meir, they would both be sprinkled upon all seven days of their separation. Rabbi Yossi says they would only be sprinkled upon the third and seventh days. And Rachinin Askan Kohanim says that Kohen Asorf is a par mazim of Koshiva. The Kohen was burning the par would be sprinkled upon during all seven days, but the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur would be sprinkled upon only on the third and seventh days. Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi both hold Tvilobizmana mitzvah, immersion at its appointed time, is a mitzvah, meaning it must be done immediately upon the conclusion of one's tumor period, but they disagree whether makshinin hazal le tevila. Rabbi Meir does, and Rabbi Yossi does not. Rabbi Chinina Skanakohanim also does not make the comparison, and he holds that sprinkling the cone who's to burn the paraduma all seven days is ma'alba'ama, merely astringency. So the baker commissioned to bake chalos for Kohanim when they were sequestered, watched them walk from their daily hazan into their chambers, one for Tahara, where no one could touch him, and the other for Kedusha, which reminds us, it was Tana Brisa, that there is no difference between the Kohen who burns the Paraduma and the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur, except that regarding the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur, his sequester is for Kedusha, and his fellow Kohanim may touch him. Rashi explains that as the Kohen Gadol prepares to enter the Machin Shechina, we need to prevent him from being haughty or frivolous, so being put in solitude will make him reflect on his mission. However, there's no reason to forbid visitors from touching him. Whereas regarding the Kohen who will burn the Paraduma, his sequester is for Tahara, for purification, and his fellow Kohanim cannot touch him. Rashi explains that the purpose of a sequester was to be more machmir in his purity as a counterbalance to the kula of contaminating him and immersing him on the day of the burning to repudiate the opinion of the Tzedukim. So the baker commissioned to bake chalos for Kohanim when they were sequestered, watched them walk from their daily hazan into their chambers, one for Tahara where no one could touch him, and the other for Kedusha, which was in the middle of renovations again. 
which reminds us, it was taught in the Bryce that Rebuda says that the Lishkas Parhedon was originally called the Lishkas Balvate, the chamber of Balvate, meaning aristocrats, because the Gohanim Gadolim of that era were honorable men. Later, they became wicked as they paid the king for their position instead of attaining it on their merits, and they died every year. As a result, the chamber was remodeled every 12 months for its new resident, and it was similar to the low-level appointees of the king called Parhedron, who were replaced every 12 months. Therefore, they called it the Lishkas Parhedron. So once again, the baker commissioned to bake chalas for Kohanim when they were sequestered, watched them walk from their daily hazah into their chambers, one for Tahara, where no one could touch him, and the other for Kedusha, which was in the middle of renovations again. All right, now it's time for four blah back hazara. Daftalit. So the similar Daftalit is a delit, a door. So here goes. When the cloud covering the mountain shaped like a massive door, door, that must be more Daftalit, delit. When the cloud covering the mountain shaped like a massive door, which reminds the Gemara brings a bracer that's in accordance with Vishwakish, who taught that Moshe ascended into a cloud, was covered in a cloud, and was sanctified in a cloud. Kadeo Kabbal Torah Yisrael B'Kadusha, in order to receive the Torah of Yisrael B'Kadusha, as it stated, and the glory of Hashem rested on Har Sinai, and the cloud covered him, Moshe, for six days. According to Yosef Galili, this incident occurred after the giving of the Sarasa Dibros, for the six days were the start of the 40 day period following the giving of the Sarasa Dibros. Rabbi Kiva says that the glory of Hashem rested on Rosh Chodesh Sivan prior to the giving of the Sarasa Dibros, and the cloud covered it, with the suffix it referring to the mountain. The Bryson continues that when the Pasuk states of Yikrael Moshe, and he called the Moshe on the 7th of Sivan, to impart the Sarasa Dibros, Hashem was speaking to Moshe and all the people. And the Pasuk comes only to Moshe to accord on to Moshe by singling him out. So when the cloud covering the mountain shaped like a massive door purged the innards of the person standing at the bottom who was trembling in fear, which reminds us, Rabbi Nassim says, the Pasuk comes only to purge the food and drink from Moshe's intestines with Summa Kamal Chayashars to make him like the ministering angels. Rashi explains that Rabbi Nassim holds like Rabbi Yosef Galili, that Moshe was covered by the cloud, but the Pasuk doesn't serve as a model for others who enter the Machin Rather, this sequestering of Moshe to purge his innards or Zemma Malach was unique to Moshe. Rabbi Masih ben Harsh says the Pasuk comes only to instill fear in Moshe in order that the Torah begin with fear, trembling, and quaking as it says, Eve does Hashem be'yiro be'gilu ber'ada, serve Hashem with awe and rejoice in trepidation. Rabbi Rabbi Masih said in the name of Rav, but makam gila sham te'hei ra'ada, in the place of rejoicing, such as when receiving the luchos, there should be trepidation. So when the cloud covering the mountain shaped like a massive door purged the innards of the person standing at the bottom, who was trembling in fear, he called his friend over to tell him what happened and told him not to tell anyone. Which reminds us, it was taught in a Bryce that the Pusik states, Yikra al and he called to Moshe and he spoke. Why did Hashem preface speaking with calling? The Torah teaches Derek Harris that a person should not say something to his friend, El Imken Koreo, unless he calls him Rabbi Manasi, the grandson of Rabbi said in the name of Rabbi the Great. From where do we know concerning one who says something to his friend that he's not to repeat it to others? Unless he says to him, go repeat it. We're saying the Pusik, Yedabri, Hashem, I love my old mode, Lemor. And Hashem spoke to him from the old mode, Lemor. Rashi says, Rashi says that the term Lemor is expanded as a contraction of well, and more, do not repeat. Daf hey, so the sin for daf hey is hey. So here goes. The people forgot to do smicha and tenufa. We're told they should sit on bundles of hey, hey. That must mean we're on daf hey. The people forgot to do smicha and tenufa. We're told they should sit on bundles of hay, which reminds us the Gemara and Daf Dalad on the base brought him a chutz between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Chanina regarding the Miguim. Rabbi Yochanan holds called Kasbeh and Ma'akbeh, and everything written concerning them, referring to the details of the Miguim service, are essential to them. Omitting one of the details would have invalidated the Miguim. Rabbi Chanina holds Davar Ma'akbedoros Ma'akbehen she ain't Ma'akbedoros ain't Ma'akbehen. Only something that's essential for future generations is essential to the Miguim, but something that's not essential for future generations is not essential to them and would not invalidate the Miguim. The Gemara identifies. For actions which are not ma'ak of the avoda in future generations, which would be the points of contention between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Chanina. 
Number one, Tzmicha. Number two, Tanufa. Number three, Prisha Shiva. It's a question of the Kohen Gadol for seven days before Yom Kippur. And four, Ribu Shiva Umashicho Shiva. Donning the Kohen Gadol on his garments for seven days and anointing him with oil for seven days as part of his installation. So that people forgot to do Smicha and Tanufa, were told they should sit on bundles of hay in order to listen to a Kohen reading the Parsha Amigulim, which reminds us that Rabbi Yochanan said in Rabbi Shimra Yechai, where do we know that also reading the Parsha of the Migulim is essential? Rashi explains that in Parsha itself, before beginning the seven days of Migulim on the 23rd of Adar, Moshe gathered B'nai Yisrael at the entrance of the Mishkan and announced this is the thing Hashem commanded to do. Now, given this introduction, we would expect Moshe to relate a message from Hashem, but the Torah doesn't record the message. The Gemara therefore understands the Pasuk to mean that before beginning the Migulim, Moshe read them the step-by-step instructions recorded in Tzadva. Where do we know that if Moshe had not read them, the Migulim would have been invalidated? Talmud Gomer. For the Torah states, Moshe said to the assembly, this is the word that Hashem has commanded, which implies that even the speech is essential. So the people forgot to do smicha and tenufa were told they should sit on bundles of hay in order to listen to a Kohen reading the Parsha of Miluim and then take a test on how Moshe put the belts on Aaron and his sons. Which reminds us that there's a malchokas between Rabbi Chia's sons and Rabbi Yochan regarding how Moshe dressed Aaron and his sons. One says Moshe first dressed Aaron and afterwards his sons, and the other says that he dressed Aaron and his sons at the same time. And Bai clarifies that they agree regarding the Ksonis and Mitznefes, the tunic and the turban, that Moshe first dressed Aaron and afterwards his sons. They disagree regarding the Avnate, the belt, based on the different way they understand the Psukim in Parshas Tetzaveh and Sav. Dadvav. So the similar Dadvav is a sword. So here it goes. The Kohen Gadu who was sequestered from his wife and was using a sword, sword, that must be more Dadvav. The Kohen Gadu was sequestered from his wife and was using his sword as a pointer to read the daytime mikvah hour schedule, which reminds us the Gemara why the Kohen Gadu is required to separate from his wife when his wife could be sequestered with him on the temple grounds. And answers, Shemi Yabu Alishtabatimusfaiknita, perhaps he'll have relations with his wife when she has no reason to think that she's a Nid, and she will afterwards be found to be in a possible Nida at that time. In that case, the Kohen Gadu will be tummy for seven days and will not be able to perform the avoda of Yom Kippur. Rabbi Zer said that we can learn from this that a bow Nida ain't a Kanida, one who has relations with Anita is not Tommy exempted a Kanita and immerses himself during the seventh day without having to wait until nightfall. For if you say he's like Anita, requiring Tavila after nightfall the seventh day, how could the Kongadu had relations with his wife the day he was sequestered do the avoda of Yom Kippur? He would need to immerse himself the night of Yom Kippur and wait until the following day before he could enter the base of Migdash. So the Kongadu who was sequestered from his wife and was using a sword as a pointer to read the daytime mikvah hour schedule, was delighted to receive visitors from the daily base of. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks why the Kohen Gadol is not sequestered from possible tumors of mace. Rashi explains he should be sequestered not only from his wife, but from all visitors, unless someone dies in his presence. Rav Tachlifa, the father of Rav Huna, said in the name of Rava, Zosomeris, tumors of mace, hutrahibatsibor. This tells us that tumors of mace is permitted with regard to the community. This means that if any tumors of mace restriction interferes with the communal sacrifice, the Torah commands without reservation that the restriction be disregarded. There is therefore no need to prevent the Kongado from being sequestered from visitors. Ravina said, I feel tame with Tumas Ames to Chuya Hibit Sibor. You can even say that Tumas Ames is merely overridden with regard to the community, which requires observing Tumas restrictions, if at all possible. The reason that the Kongado does not need to be sequestered from visitors is that Tumas Ames lo Shkicha. Tumas Ames is not common at all. Tumas Ames lo Shkicha. Whereas Tumas of his house, meaning from his wife, is somewhat common. So the Kongado was sequestered from his wife and was using his sword as a pointer to read the daytime mikveh hour schedule was delighted to receive visitors from the daily base of Hafu Tame and Hafu Tower. Which reminds us, the more brings the Malchogas on the Rhyme regarding Tumas and Mace. 
Rav Nachman said, It's permitted with regard to the community. Rav Shesha said, It's merely overridden with regard to the community. The Gemara explains that where there are Tameh and Torah Kohanim in the same base of, all agree that the Torah Kohanim should serve and the Tameh one should not, even in offering communal offerings. The only disagree if Torah Kohanim from another base of should be brought when all the members of the current base of are Tameh. Rav Nachman says we do not need to seek Torah Kohanim, and Rav Shesha says they must seek Torah Kohanim from a different base of. Some say that even in a case where there are both Tameh and Torah Kohanim in the same base of, Rav Nachman disagrees and says that Tameh ones can also serve the cult Tumas Meis Metzibur Rachman Ashaya, for the merciful one permitted all cases of corpse tumor with regard to the community. Davzain, so the similar Davzain is a gun, a clay zain, gun. So here goes. The sniper, sniper with a gun, that must mean we're on Dav Zion. The sniper who shot the sheriffs that landed on the Omer in the hands of the Kohen as it was being offered, which reminds us that Rav Sheshis brings the following as the source for his ruling, the Tumatuchuyeh Hibetzibur. It was taught in a bright side of a Kohen standing and offering the Omer that became Tami in his hand. He tells other Kohanim they bring another one in its place. If there's no other barley from the new crop available, we tell him, have you so be wise and remain sound. We see though that when there is another Omer available, it is brought in place of the original one, which implies Tumatuchuyeh Hibetzibur. Rav Nachman who holds Tumahutra Hibetzibur answered, that he agrees that in cases where there are remnants fit for consumption, it's preferable to avoid making the communal offerings in Tuma. Rashi explains that even though a communal offering may be operated in a state of Tuma, without reservation, it cannot be eaten in Tuma except for the Pesach. So when an offering is meant to be eaten, we do what we can so it can be eaten in a state of Tahara. So the sniper who shot the sheriffs to land on the Omer in the hands of the Kohen as it was being offered... Davana on Yom Kippur that he attained atonement when the Kohen Gadol went into the Kodesh Kodoshim without his tzitz. Which reminds us, the Gemara brings Malchuk Sanan regarding Tumahutra Hibatsibur or Duchuya Hibatsibur. It was taught in a brace of Rabbi Shimon says that the tzitz is Maratza whether it's on the Kohen Gadol's forehead or not. Rabbi Yudah says it's only Maratza when it's on his forehead. Rabbi Shimon challenged Rabbi Yudah based on the fact that the tzitz is not on the forehead of the Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur when he performs the inner avoda and yet it's still Maratza. Rabbi Yudah replied that a proof from Yom Kippur is not effective since Tuma Hutra Wobetzibur because Tuma is permitted for him in regard to the community and the tzitz is not needed to affect acceptance of the communal offerings. Rashi explains that the entire inner avoda consists of communal offerings. The Gemara concludes that this price implies that Rabbi Shimon holds Tuma that Tuma is merely overridden in regard to the community, and that Sitz is in fact needed to affect acceptance for a communal offering. So the sniper who shot the sheriffs that landed in the Omer in the hands of the Kohen as it was being offered, Davin and Yom Kippur that he attained atonement when the Kohen Gadol went into the Kosh Kodashim without his Sitz, which he also never wore when he went to sleep. Which reminds us, Abai said the Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yudah agreed that if the Sitz is broken, it's not Maratza. They disagree when it's hanging on a peg, meaning that it's intact, but the Kohen Gadol is not wearing it. Yuda says it's not Maratz because the Pesach states Al-Metzach Benasah. It shall be on the Aaron's forehead so that he shall bear the sin of the sacred offerings, implying that it is only Maratzah while it's on his forehead. Rabbi Shimon holds that it is still Maratzah even when it's not worn. As it says, Tamid will Ratzum Livne Hashem. It shall be on his forehead always to bring them favor before Hashem. Rabbi Shimon said that the meaning of Tamid always cannot be literal. For how then does the Kohen Gadol go to the bathroom or go to sleep? He certainly is not permitted to wear the tzitz during those times. Ela Tamid Maratzahu. Rather, the term Tamid always means that the tzitz is always maratza, even when it's not worn. All right, now it's time to conclude our pop quiz of ten questions. Number one, which stuff do we have in says the tzitz is only maratza when the Kongado is wearing it, whereas Rabbi Shimon says it's maratza even when he's not wearing it? That's on Duff. Zion. Good. Number two, which stuff do we have that one should not share with another what someone told him unless he says he can repeat it? That's on Duff. Good number three. Which did we learn according to Ravina? We derive a voted chilbamakum may a voted chilbamakum. That's on Dav. Gimel. Good number four. 
which left with a three-way malchus regarding Hazar for the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur, and the Kohen doing the Avoda of the Paraduma, that's on Daf. Ches. Good number five, which of the when the Kohen Gadol is required to separate from his wife, as she might become a Suffolk Nida, that's on Daf. Vav. Good number six, which of the when the Kohen Gadol does not need to wear the tzitz when he does the inner Avoda on Yom Kippur, that's on Daf. Zion. Good number seven. Which step when the preaching of the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur was for Kedusha, whereas the preaching of the Kohen doing the Avodah of Paraduma was for Tahara? That's on Daf. Ches. Good number eight. Which step when the Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshes have Malkokas, whether Tahara Kohanim from a different base of must be brought in when all the members of the current base of are Tami? That's on Daf. Vav. Good number nine. Which something when the name of the Rishka of the Kohen Gadol was changed from Rishkas Balvati to Rishkas Parhedim because the Kohanim were not worthy and kept changing every year like low-level appointees of a king? That's on Dav. Ches. Good. And number ten. Which something when the reading the Parsha of the Miluim is Ma'akiv? That's on Dav. Hey, excellent. That concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichur wishing you a great day and great learning.